Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 210. Today is November 13th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, I wanted to get a quick episode in this weekend and provide you some commentary on the post-election and what's happening with this most recent rally and recovery in the stock market. Before I do that, just a real quick housekeeping item. Over the past weeks and months, I've had a, a lot more traffic hitting my websites over at investablewealth.com and at wealthsteading.com. And so I went through the process of upgrading um, you know, the server and bandwidth. And I'm not a techie, so I don't know exactly what all took place, but had to increase all those capabilities and, um, and then roll some things over. And so maybe over the past weeks or months, you may have tried to get into the site and you had some blockage or you had some delays in the, uh, in the website's opening. Well, hopefully most, if not all of that has been resolved. The big thing that I wanted to mention today, today though, is that the one problem that I have not been able to fix yet is the, the uh, email distribution notices. So many of you are signed up to receive an email whenever I put out a blog update notice over at investablewealth.com. That's where I blog at uh, the, the title heading is observations and commentary. That's the best place for you to sign up to find, to get information uh, that's timely because I don't use Facebook or Twitter or any of those kind of things. And so whenever I actively make a trade, it's I've been very conservative this year and have not made many, but whenever I do... I always list them first over there, and so any of you that are signed up for that free email service will receive a notice. The other place you can sign up for information about me is on the Wellsteading website, which is for the podcast. Now, most people don't sign up to get notifications there because you just do your normal subscriptions through iTunes or Stitcher or whatever kind of Android device you use. And so whenever there's a new podcast episode, it just automatically downloads to your smartphone. But a few of you do still subscribe and want to get email notifications over at wellsteading.com. Anyways, uh, the long and short of all this is, is that for the most part, I'm having really bad problems. Most of you are not receiving notices whenever I, I do update uh, an episode at wellsteading.com or more importantly, if I put some information out at investablewealth.com, to me, that's really the critical part. That's the timely information. For those of you that have signed up, I want to make sure that you're receiving notice of that. Now, I haven't been doing a lot of trading and there hasn't been a whole lot of updates over there. So in the past weeks, I haven't worried about it, but I, I thought the problem was fixed. I did put out a blog post today and I see that it's not fixed. Uh, I know that at least a thousand of you haven't received an update I've got to work with my administrator and figure out what, what the issue is there to get that resolved. But um, So just, just letting you know, if you're hearing the podcast and you didn't receive an email notification that, there, that there's a new blog post over at investablewealth.com, if you didn't get that today on November 13th, then you're part of the people that are experiencing that problem. It's nothing you need to worry about. I just need to fix it on my end, and I'll do that because... You know, we're seeing some volatility in the market. You are going to see me jump back in and start some active trading. And I want to make sure you're notified of that when it happens. So anyways, enough of that. Let's get down to business here. Here's my post-market commentary. Bottom line on my analysis is, is that I think that this rally that we're seeing is going to fizzle. Now, as I always tell you, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But all the indicators I look at show that there is still a significant problem here. And regardless of whether it was Clinton or Trump that got elected last week, 
those problems haven't gone away. And so, yes, there was a post-election rally, and in most cases there is. I have a chart that I, I put over at investablewealth.com, and I also put a link to that in today's show notice. I want you to click that and take a look at this chart. We'll talk more about it in a minute here, but it's a comparison with the performance of the S&P 500 so far this year with Donald Trump you know, running for election and winning and comparing that to when Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter in 1980. More about that in a second. Well, here's, here's the bottom line on all this. Yes, I think we're seeing a rally as you, again, do after most elections. For one thing, it has to do with certainty. You know, prior to the election, you had uncertainty. A lot of people thought Clinton was going to win, but they didn't know for sure. Once you have the election and the president's picked, well, now you have certainty. may not be the guy or the woman that you wanted, but that's what you have, and investors can react accordingly. So number one, we have certainty. Number two, we're experiencing a great deal of sector rotation. Now, a lot of that uh, tends to be positive because people are more, uh, you know, it's just part of human nature. People are more likely to get excited about jumping in and buying a new position than they are about closing an old position, particularly if that position um, is at a loss. You know, people like to think about optimistic things happening in the future, but they want to hold on and, and maybe not uh, realize that they have a loss and they, so they don't want to close out that position because they want to wait for it to come back. In any case, I, I do think that people are more likely to buy on good news than sell on bad news. So that sector rotation is, is occurring. We're seeing a lot of movement into the banking and financial sector, and then also into things like industrials and infrastructures. Now, one thing on that, and, and this really surprises me how much of a boost some of this have, has gotten, and, and this is why I think it really comes to the third thing that we're seeing, which is a lot of short covering. You know, in this week alone, copper has moved up about 14%. Well, prior to the election, one of the things that was on my watch list uh, was not so much copper because I don't I don't like to invest in in those type of commodities, but I do like to invest in industrial companies that would benefit from a rise in copper, something like a Rio Tinto. Now those infrastructure type things as well as financial companies were on my watch list of things that were likely to go up with this next presidency, regardless of whether it was going to be Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. I felt that both of those sectors were going to benefit uh, for two reasons. One, in terms of infrastructure, they both said they were going to go into some heavy deficit spending, uh, maybe even have to use Federal Reserve helicopter money to finance infrastructure spending. Hillary Clinton was talking about spending you know, $275 billion. Donald Trump, of course, had to do something bigger than that. He was talking about um, half a billion dollars, and most recently I've seen it written that he's now talking about maybe as much as a trillion, with you know half a billion of that being government money and half a billion coming in from the private sector. In any case, I was pretty sure that we were going to get infrastructure spending regardless, and so I do think it would be positive, and I, and I continue to think it's going to be positive for infrastructure companies, uh, material companies, things along those lines. However, and this is a big but here, and one of the reasons why I didn't buy into these things this week when I saw them shooting up so hugely, and, and again, particularly the movement in copper has been totally irrational. 14% over a couple days simply because of an election. 
And, and I say that this, you know, is irrational, and I, I just don't say that emotionally, but look back in commodities history, and it's rarely that you get a sustained rally in a commodity simply because of an election or simply because a politician or some type of well-known celebrity says something. It doesn't have anything to do with what people say. It has to do with what people actually do. Now, we've been at the tail end, at the collapse of a multi-generational boom in the commodities market. A lot of this has had to do because of the expansion in emerging markets, but particularly with the expansion in China. Now, different commodities peaked out at different times. Most of you will remember that oil peaked out in 2008. In that year, a lot of people worried about peak oil. Oil got up to something like, I don't know, $145, $147 a barrel. That was an all-time historic peak, and it's been coming down ever since. Now, there's a little bumps along the way. Sometimes oil gets up to 60 Sometimes it gets up to $50. But for the last two years, it's had a very hard time and struggled getting above $55 a barrel. That's because we're at the tail end of this super cycle and expansion that we saw in petroleum products. Currently, West Texas Intermediate is trading at right around $43 a barrel. And this is after we've heard for months now that OPEC is going to tighten up production. And they were trying to get oil back around $60 or $70. Well, it's at $43. Natural gas is at about $2.6 per million BTU. Gold is another commodity that I know that many of you watch, and you'll recall that in 2011, gold peaked out. It got up around $1,900 an ounce. We saw it earlier this year, testing levels above $1,300 an ounce. But even right now, with all the fear and uncertainty of the election, with all the problems and the concerns about us going into inflation, particularly with Donald Trump's lower taxes and a higher deficit spending strategy, well, we're seeing gold struggling to, to get above 1225 I'm digressing here, but to, to kind of pull this all back in, I think that we're simply seeing a relief rally after this election because now we know who the president is going to be for the next four years. We're seeing money move out of certain sectors. You're seeing it move out of things like alternative energy, uh, solar projects, uh, and you're seeing it move into things like these industrials and banking stocks. And then again, I think you're seeing a lot of short covering because I can pretty much guarantee that no one on Wall Street expected things like copper to bounce up 14% over the past couple of days. And so, uh, you know, those people that had shorts in whenever copper bounced like that, they had to go in and buy at higher prices to cover their short positions, and that just perpetuated itself and made copper rise up even higher. These downward trends that we're seeing in things like commodity prices, you know, regardless of the American president is a Republican or a Democrat, or regardless of what they say they're going to spend on infrastructure spending, it's not going to drastically change these markets this quick overnight uh, if it's going to change them at all. Look at China. This year alone, China has put in well over a trillion dollars into their economy on infrastructure spending, and that's on the back of trillions of dollars. Some estimate as much as $10 trillion has been put into their market over the last three or four years, and yet all these commodity prices, things like copper, keep hitting lows and are not going up, and that's in spite of all the infrastructure spending going on in places like China. So whether we see 
$200 billion, $500 billion, a trillion dollars of infrastructure spending in the United States. While I do think that will be beneficial to things in the stock market that, that uh, you know, make money from those kind of things, certainly the steel companies, the aluminum companies, companies making bridges and roads and asphalt, yes, all those things will go up, but it's extremely unlikely that they're going to go up 14% in a few days, not that it can hold and be consistent. That's my interpretation of it anyways. You may have a totally different opinion, and that's fine. I just don't think this rally is going to hold. What I anticipated was that regardless of whether Clinton or Trump won, I thought ultimately the market would go down, but I I did think we'd see two different scenarios. If Clinton initially won, I thought we'd see a relief rally like we're in right now because that would be the part that would cover the uncertainty. And then I thought we would see the market start to move lower because people would rationalize and say, yes, although Hillary is in, There's still all the same problems that existed before, things like the massive student loan debt, things like the collapse in commodity prices, things like the collapse in the petrodollar, things like the overall global slowdown. I mean, all those things are compounding, and it doesn't matter whether a Clinton, Obama, a Trump, a Bush, or anybody is in the office in the United States. Those are secular trends that are happening around the world. And so I thought, you know, initially the market would bounce up if Hillary was elected, and then it would start to come back down at least a little bit. If Donald Trump was elected, I was assuming that we would see at least a 10% pullback, in which case if it happened, I would have been a buyer because I, I think that would have been a knee-jerk reaction. I was actually hoping for a 15 or a 20% correction. And it, it, had we seen a 20% correction, I would have jumped in probably 75, 100%. I wouldn't have jumped in that much on a 10% correction, but certainly a 20% correction with a President Donald Trump would have been uh, just a, a way oversold situation and I think would have made a lot of money in its short-term trade as the markets recovered from it. But that's not what we've seen so far. We've, saw, we've seen Donald Trump, Trump get elected. We've seen the market start to rally up. Investors Business Daily called the market uh, in a confirmed uptrend on Thursday, the day after the election. And now we're still seeing it off of all-time highs, but it's in the same consolidation range that it's been in you know, pretty much since May. So there's nothing really new there. I do suspect that as Trump starts announcing his uh, cabinet and his positions, and as Obama starts uh, you know, solidifying his legacy and moving out, investors are going to come back to the same conclusions that they had earlier in the year, which is that this market is overvalued in, in many respects. We're in the midst of a bond bubble where all the quantitative easing that the Federal Reserve has done has done no good other than to drive up the stock market and real estate prices. And that while maybe Donald Trump's positions on tax policy and on limiting some regulations will be beneficial for the economy, at least in the short term, they still have to get enacted, they still have to take effect, and then they have absolutely no bearing on the general slowdown that we're seeing in the global economy. Remember that when it comes to things like S&P 500 companies, they're getting about 40% of the revenue from overseas. And so if things are slow in Southern Europe, or things are slow in Malaysia, or you know Brazil's still in a recession, well, it doesn't so much matter what we do in the United States if there's still an overall global slowdown. That's particularly an issue when we see the market at all-time highs with 
very high valuations. If the price per earnings ratios on the S&P 500 were at 13, 14, you know, 15, even 16 times earnings, I would be much more optimistic than I am when I see many valuations sitting at 17, 18, 19, 20, 22 times earnings. Those valuations on companies that are not growing are not justified and eventually the stock market gets rational, it corrects itself, and it moves back towards a truer price. I'll close out here with another thought on why I don't think that this rally can last. And it's because, you know, I've often told you that I look at many things every day. I look at, I look at the performance of all uh, 500 companies in the S&P 500. I scan all of those. I scan any type of special uh, companies or sectors that I'm looking at. Uh, you know, that are on my watch list. And then I also scan about 300 to 350 different exchange traded funds that are targeted either in commodities or specific geography or different aspects of the market. You know, for example, small cap value stocks or something like that. So I'm looking at a lot of things each day as my um, computer program scans these and brings them up to my attention. I'm looking for the anomalies. But the five simple things that I look at every day that really ground me in reality, those are the the performance of the S&P 500 is number one. Number two is the 10-year interest rate. Number three is the price of gold. Number four is the price of oil. And number five is the price of the U.S. dollar based on a basket of other currencies. Those five things help ground me in reality. And if I had, you know, nothing else to look at, I would look and be able to trade off of those five things and the relationship that they have with each other because it helps me understand if the market is in a overbought or oversold position or if the, in the market is in a... Uh, you know, a rational position or an irrational position. Well, right now, in addition to all the other indicators I'm looking at, but those specific five things are all being counter indicators. For example, interest rates are spiking up. Higher interest rates are not good for corporate profits. If interest rates go up, then that means the cost of money will go up. That will be detrimental to corporate profits. Right now, I'm bringing this up, and everything I'm going to talk about right now has to do with corporate profits because at the end of the day, that's what the valuations and the stock market is based on is the underlying profit of these multinational corporations. Now, we've seen profits on the S&P 500 come down for the last 24 months and now starting to stabilize. Some people are saying they're going to go back up, and that's primarily going to be going back up if, if the oil companies start to improve. But in any case, higher interest rates are going to put a drag on corporate earnings. The other thing that we're seeing is that the dollar is strengthening. Now, to some degree, that's related to the fact that interest rates are going up. But again, a stronger dollar is going to have a major impact, particularly on the large multinational big corporations that trade on the S&P 500, that will be detrimental to their sales overseas in an already slowing down a global trading market. So, so that's a drag on corporate profits. The fact that the oil price is back down to around $43 a barrel, while that's good for consumers, that's also bad for the industry that's, that's been a, a, a real drain and a drag on corporate profits over the last two years, and that is the oil and the energy sector. 
So if oil stays down in the in the you know low 40 range or maybe even dips down into the high 30s, that's not going to be conducive to profits improving on the S&P 500. So that again is going to be a drag on corporate profits. And finally, I look at the price of gold. Now, a lot of people are, again, assuming that Donald Trump is going to have tax cuts and deficit spending uh, to finance all this infrastructure spending, that that's going to be very positive for the stock market, that it's going to create inflation. Uh, But if that's the case, why is gold going down right now? I would think that if people really believe that we're going to see a big increase in the economy and a great deal of inflation coming, then gold would be ticking up to $1,300 or $1,400 an ounce. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing it dip back down currently right now around $1,225 an ounce. So again, these indicators are reinforcing to me that no one is going to be able to just sprinkle pixie dust on the U.S. economy and that the stock market is just going to, you know, burst out and go into a full-fledged bull market. At this point, I'm very skeptical. We have seen the S&P 500 break out above its 50-day moving average this past week, and we've seen the, it, it at the same time move up above its 100-day moving average. That's good. That's very positive. Uh, we're seeing the 100-day moving average moving up above the 50-day moving average this week. Those are all very good positive things, but at the same time, the market seemed to hit resistance right around 2167, and it's definitely has to break above that 2170 barrier if we're going to see this market break on out to, you know, 2200. I know a lot of people are calling for that in a Santa Claus rally. I'm skeptical. I think if anything, we're going to see the market go back down and test those levels around 2130. So let me wrap up by reminding you about what we started out with here at the beginning, which was the election of Reagan in 1980. Check out the link that I have in today's show notes that'll take you over to the post at investablewealth.com that I put out today. And you'll see a chart there where I compare the S&P 500 performance between the period of 1980 and 1981. So it covers Ronald Reagan's uh, election over Jimmy Carter. You'll see the spike up in the market. You'll see how the market uh, went on uh, into November and December to make a high. But then the market tops out, and within about 10 months or so, by September of the next year, uh, you know, after Reagan's been inaugurated, uh, the market's very volatile, and you see about a 20% correction off that post-election high. I, I have transposed on that same chart what we've seen so far with the market this year. You can see that exact same post-election, uh, you know, where the where the market comes down prior to the election because of the uncertainty and then bounces up after the election. I suspect we're going to see that same topping out and then the market rolling over to go down to lows into next year. Whether it goes down 10, 15, 20%, I have no idea. We need to have a good 15, 20, 25% correction. That's healthy. That's something we see at the end of every business cycle. I think it's been postponed at this point because of the intervention of the Federal Reserve. But markets don't go up forever, and I suspect that this one won't either. Well, in any case, stick with me. Come back to hear future episodes. We'll see how things work out. As always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.